organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right time to learn how to write your book. Hi, I'm Joyce Glass. And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbano, and welcome to The Right Hour, nonfiction tips from The Right Coach team. We are so glad you joined us today. Welcome to episode 1105 of The Right Hour. You are going to love today's guest, Yada Golden. She shares how to connect with your potential readers using story selling in your emails. Writers love to write, but I have found many of us struggle to market our books, me included. When I wrote my first few books, I had no idea how to market them and reach a bigger audience. I joined Yada's Subscriber Reviver Challenge and knew I had to have her here on this podcast series. I love how Yada teaches you to connect with your audience in a real and personal way. No slimy sales copy here. People want to connect as humans. Yada Golden writes story-based pieces for companies like ClickFunnels as well as e-commerce and service-based businesses. Over the years, her talent for storytelling morphed into what she likes to call story selling. Today, she teaches entrepreneurs and authors like you how to use story selling in order to connect or reconnect with your audience, build a rapport, and engage them in a conversational way. This is the secret behind getting your followers as or potential readers to open your emails, read through every word top to bottom, and always come back for more. You can learn more about Yada at her website listed in the show notes. You may want to listen to this episode more than once and definitely connect with Yada on the social media. The best way to learn email marketing is to watch someone do it well. Sign up for Yada's email list and watch what she does. Welcome to this episode of The Right Hour. I'm so excited to have with us, it's Yada Golden. And she is an expert with subscriber revivers for challenge. She talks about with helping people with emails and um, email content, content strategy, I guess would be the correct term, right? Yara, I want to call you Yara because it's spelled Y-A-R-A and I'm sure you get that a lot. (laughs) I do. I do. I always tell people it's like yada, yada, yada. But tell us a little bit about you and this journey to becoming a storyteller, because I was listening to some of it yesterday, and I thought it was really fascinating um, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I um, I seriously love podcast interviews. Like, I think they're so much fun because I think all this unexpected content kind of comes out, you know, while mm-hmm. you're having a conversation Definitely. with someone. So, um, how did I become a storyteller? I think. I think it's something that was just naturally a part of who I was. Like, I think from the time I could hold a pen, I was like writing my name out. And, you know, I just loved the act of like creation. It's like, I can take this tool and like create something with it, you know? And, um, but I think that I really, really fell in love with writing as a form of communication when I was in, I would say fourth or fifth grade, funny enough, my school had the dare program at that point, And there was a contest and we all had to write an essay about why we were going to be drug free. Right. And I was like, I want to win this contest. And I remember getting home and starting to write out my thoughts. And I was like, what do you think? And he said, you know, 
it's great. He's like, but I think if you really start in a way that people don't expect you to, you'll get, get a lot more attention. And so, um, so I did that. I did just that. And I remember winning the contest and and because I won, I got to like stand up at the podium and like read my essay to like the entire school. And I just remember, yeah, it was so much fun. And I just remember having this feeling of like, wow, like my words really created something and mattered. And, and I think at that point I was hooked. Um, I can't really say that I considered myself a writer until very recently. Like I always knew I loved writing, but I think that stepping into the identity of like, I am a writer was a much longer process than just falling in love with writing. Right. Yeah. I get that. (laughs) And a lot of people, I mean, it takes you a while to get that persona. And um, I don't know if you know who Jeff Goins is, but his his thing is always, you know, if you're writing, you're a writer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, and it, and he, he kind of drills that in your head and the, in the programs he's done. And, um, and so it helps you realize, Oh, you know, I am providing some great value to people and that does make me a writer. And you just, it does take a while to accept that. Mm. you know other people will see it long before you actually see it you know well and I think we all have an idea of like what a writer is you know like we think of Shakespeare we think of Edgar Allan Poe or we think of you know all these contemporary writers that are writing these books and you know things like that and I'm like yes and there are all of these other ways of getting your writing out there and putting it in front of people and really having an impact in the world or forget about impacting the world just getting your message out right and that is what I believe my writing does. It's not really about a book. It's not really about like a legacy type piece. It's about really saying, Hey, I'm going to be a part of the everyday conversation that's going on in the world around me and give my perspective on it. Yes. Which I I absolutely love because when you can connect with somebody personally, Mm -hmm. um, you know, through email, which, you know, Amy Porterfield does this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, you know, obviously the queen of it, <laughs> but, but she is one of the, one of the ones that like, I read her email sometimes, even though I may know the content, but I just want to read it because she put, presents in an interesting right. way or she shares something funny that happened in her life, you know, with her dog mm-hmm. or her husband or whatever. And it's interesting. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what you're teaching in the subscriber reviver and what you do through your business. So I love that. Well, you love to help people connect with their customers and clients through email. So what is a common mistake that you see entrepreneurs make with email marketing? So many. (laughs) (laughs) So many. Um, Hard to start. (laughs) I know. I'm like, how many do you want? Um, I would go for three. We can go for three. That works. Yeah, for sure. So I think... Honestly, the biggest mistake that I see entrepreneurs make, and I think this changes like from interview to interview, because it's like, well, what's most present to me at the moment, you know? Um, I think though it's become more and more, I think the mistake people make is forgetting that there's another human being on the other side of this communication, right? Especially when we're talking about email, Mm -hmm. you, you as the entrepreneur, as the creator, maybe speaking one to many, but when you, when it arrives in your person's inbox, it goes right back to one-to-one, right? So I think what happens to us is that we have this idea of like, 
oh my gosh, I'm sending this email out to 30 people or 300 people or 3,000 or 300,000, whatever number is on the other side of that. And we get all like deer in headlights about it. You know, we're like, oh my gosh, what if I don't use the Oxford comma? Or what if I do? Or, you know, I need to pull out all my biggest words from ninth grade. And like my English teacher is going to be on the other side of this with their red pen waiting to correct every mistake that I make. Or what if I don't tell the right story? Or what if I share too much? Or what if I share the wrong thing? Or how am I going to position my product or my service or my thing that I've created? And it's like, stop just stop, right? When you meet somebody for the first time, you don't be like, Hey, I'm Yada, I buy my thing. Like that's not what happens. And for some reason, when we get behind a computer screen, we forget that human interaction, that human, that humanness, right? Where it's like, Hey, what's your name? Tell me a little bit about you. Let me tell you about me and where I grew up and where I came from and how I fell in love with this thing that I'm now doing to provide a service in the world. And so, so I think that's the biggest mistake. One, um, I think the second biggest mistake is thinking, well, my list isn't big enough, right? Like people are like, well, I only have 30 people on my list or I only have 300 or I only have 3000. I've heard people say, I only have 30,000 people. And I'm like, dude, if you were in a room with 30 people looking at you, waiting to hear what you had to say, you would be having a completely different experience than I only have 30 people that I'm emailing, right? And so it's it's starting to remember that like, hey, it's not just an email address that's on your list. It's actually a human being with like wants and needs and desires and challenges and obstacles and a family and all of these other things. And they are paying attention to you. They're paying attention to what you have to say, to what you're doing in the world and like the message that you're speaking and that deserves respect, right? And so respecting our audience as maybe even stopping referring to them as our list. Like we don't own a list. We have the privilege of having the attention of an audience. And yeah. the more we're able to respect that, the better the connection will be. And I like that pivot of thinking them as an audience of people and mm-hmm. individuals that you're, you're sending to because that does put you in a different mindset. Uh, to write, then I've got to, like you were saying before, you know, I've got to tell them about my thing or my book or whatever it is that you're trying to promote. So, yeah. Well, and then do you want to go, do you want to go for three? Cause I have one more. Sure. <laughs> so, so the third one would be thinking that the email that you write is going to be a silver bullet, right? Like when I send this email, it's going to make me a million dollars. And it's like, could it possibly, but will it most likely not, right? Like this is not your one shot to talk to this audience, to email them, to offer them your thing. It's, it's really not like you have an ongoing campaign that you can now send these people. Um, you have an infinite number of stories. You have an infinite number of angles that you can take to, uh, to promote this stuff. Right. And so thinking that, this is the be all end all is another huge mistake that I see people make because then when it doesn't work or they don't get the response that they thought that they should get, right? Like when the expectation that they had isn't met, they throw in the towel and it's like, well, this is the wrong audience or this is the wrong offer or my thing's not good enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not a good enough, right? Like insert your excuse here, right? right? (laughs) And so so it's just taking that approach of like, hey, I'm establishing a long-term relationship with these people. Um, Some will, some won't. So what? 
someone's waiting, right? And that's the approach that we get to take with our list, not like this is going to be the silver bullet that fixes everything. Right. And it's all an experiment too. You know, this email that you may think is not that great does gangbusters. And this other one that you thought was your silver bullet flops. You know? Oh, completely. Completely. It's all an experiment. Yeah, it's totally an experiment. And we've got to remember that different people are in our audiences for different reasons, right? Like some people may follow me because they're like, wow, she was a relationship coach and now she's a service provider. Like how how did that happen? I would like to pivot my business. Some people may follow me because they're like, I want to become a better storyteller. Some people may follow me because they're like, I want to become a better digital marketer. And so as I share all these different stories, it's almost like taking a shotgun approach to your list, right? Like some of the bullets are going to miss, but some of them are going to hit people like square in the eyes where they're like, holy crap, that's exactly what I was waiting for. And so we're constantly in a, in a process of canvassing our list and saying like, okay, which stories and topics are resonating with which segments of my audience? Because it's not just one person, it's many people and they're all there for different reasons, although attracted by the same message. Awesome. Yes. So it's audience. Tell me the mistakes again. You said, um, what was it? Oh, um, you know, uh, thinking that their audience isn't big enough. Uh, thinking that they're going to have a silver bullet Mm -hmm. and, um, getting that deer in headlights and forgetting that there's like a human on the other side of the screen. Yes. The, they got the human factor they need to keep. Exactly. (laughs) That's perfect. And I mean, and obviously your story resonated with me for, we'll give a little backstory here. The reason I connected with Yada was I, um, subscribed to her subscriber reviver challenge and it's something she had posted on Facebook. And I'll tell you what caught my eye is getting the open rate up on my emails. Mm. Because as you know, a writer, you want to connect with your people more. And my open rate is not there <laughs> where I would like it to be. And so, <laughs> and just like any other writer, and, and as you know, content writing and marketing is different than writing a book. Mm. And it takes a little more finesse to it and getting it where you want it. And so I love what you're teaching because it's exactly the approach I want to take. I want to come alongside and be my, be their friend and help them on the journey. Mm. I don't want to be the person going, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Oh, here's something cool for you. Buy my yeah. stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Oh, here's something I'll tell you about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that annoying spammer person, mm-hmm. but if I can connect with them, because I'm, I'm one of these, I'm a, I'm a hoarder of connections. I love to connect with people. And, you know, somebody says, I'm having trouble with my own race. I go, you yeah, just got this course. You need to take it. You know, you, you know, it's just the same kind of thing that we do every day when someone mm-hmm. says, Oh, I hurt my arm. I think I have, Whatever, you know, oh, try this oil, try this, try that. You know? Yeah, completely, completely. And, and that's what you want is you want people to be able to say, hey, Joyce is the right coach. She can help you write your book. I want other people saying that because mm-hmm. they've seen that connection and that I can really help them. And same with what you do. You know, you want people coming to you because they, hey, Yana can help you with this. She can help you get your open rate up. She can help you with your content strategy, you know, that kind of thing. So I love that. So why 
is email important for authors? Now, you and I both know this answer, but (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear your take on this and share it with the audience here. Well, I I think that email is important for not only authors, I think it's important for any business owner. You know, it's... um, I really believe that email is the most underutilized asset that most people have in their business. If you have a product or a service or a widget that you're offering, like there's a huge opportunity to continue to sell not only that thing to your people, but whatever comes next, right? Mm -hmm. And allowing them to inform the decision of like what's actually going to be created for them. Because as an entrepreneur, we solve problems. Like we look out into the world and we're like, Hey, there's a problem there. I'm going to take that one on myself and I'm going to solve it. But we all know that as soon as a problem is solved, another one is created. Right. And so by being in that conversation with your audience through email, you're really allowing them to inform you and say, Hey, you did solve this problem, but guess what? Like, this is the next problem that I'm having. And like, how can you help me do that? And because you're a problem solver, you'll likely step into that space. Right. Right. When it comes to an author, I think that as writers, there we have a tendency to fall in love with what we're writing, right? Like we think it's the the cat's meow, the coolest thing since sliced bread. Like no one's ever done anything like this before. Everyone has to get it, right? And I totally get that. And it's valid. And there is still an element of educating the audience as to what it is that you're doing. Like they have not been at your desk with you this whole time, falling in love with the characters and like developing the narrative and the story arch and all of these amazing things. And so it is our job as the creator to go out into the world and be like, Hey, human, there's something really cool that's happening over here. And it's going to allow you to X, Y, and Z through all of these mechanisms, through all of these characters, through this type of storyline and bring like enroll them in the creation and the production and the rollout of this product. Um, You know, it's, and I, and I found, I have actually a lot of writers that go through my challenge and I found that it's, um, there's almost this mental block with writers where it's like, yeah, I know that that works, but my thing is different. Like my book is different. (laughs) My book is a special sweet little thing that like nothing that's ever worked for anybody else will work for this. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I just like, I have like set, like my eyes roll in the back of my head. Cause I'm just like, everybody says that like my business is different. My book is different. My product is different. And I'm like, I promise you, that as unique as it is, it is no different than how like other things need to be marketed. Right. Because people are people, whether you're selling them, you know, furniture or a gas grill or your fiction book or nonfiction book. And a lot of my um, listeners are in the nonfiction realm, they're entrepreneurs, personal development leaders, that kind of thing, coaches. Mm-hmm. And so this is a powerful piece for them. Because of what I always say all the time, a book is not just a book for them. It is a way to connect with people and then get clients. You mm-hmm. know? For coaching, it's for getting clients. For entrepreneurs, it may be for helping them with their business, whatever their business may be. Mm-hmm. And so this connect that you're talking about, that is what they need. And and I love, I, I get lots of things too that you hear people say and you're just like, no, 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 no. You bet. And, and this is something that we talk about in our membership is 
they work really hard to write this book. And they get up and they're done and they're like, ah, it's great, it's ready. But they have done nothing to market it. Exactly. Yeah, like if you build it, they will come does not actually work. <laughs> no, not with a book. No. <laughs> no. Not with anything really. Like if you build maybe a, a hot dog board, stand, you know. Maybe. But even still, even still, if you build a hot dog stand, you gotta put it in a place where people are gonna be hungry, right? right? Like you gotta put it at the beach, put it outside of a fair. Like you gotta go to where your people are. And so I think um really the the very first step that I would have people start with is saying, Who is your target audience? Like Who's your avatar? Who are you trying to sell this to? Who's going to enjoy this book? Like who's, who needs to learn the lessons that are contained within these pages? And then how do you speak to them in a way that enters the conversation they're already having in their mind Mm -hmm. so that they're like, Oh, that book is for me, right? Like I know that an email that I've written is super well-targeted when I get emails back from people who are like, Oh my gosh, I felt like you were talking just to me, right? It's like when you go to church and you like listen to the sermon and you're like, oh my gosh, like he, like, he's <laughs> talking. He, was he listening to my conversation this week? <laughs> right? Like, you're just like, he's talking to me. And it just, it's, it's because it's resonating with you. It's talking to something that you already are thinking about constantly, right? It's like the woman who's scrolling Facebook, who's going on a cruise in 60 days and runs across an ad that's like, lose 30 pounds in five minutes. And she's like, oh my gosh, like I want to lose 10 pounds before my cruise, right? So she's not actively thinking about it, but it's playing in the back of her mind. And so you like, you like pop up into that conversation and all of a sudden she's like, yeah, I'm hooked. Like, I want to hear what you're talking about. Right. Right? And so exactly what I teach for those who've been through my course and the membership program that is to keep the reader in mind that you do want to be you want them to feel like they were you were just here and you just heard the conversation I was having in my head you know I haven't even spoken this to anyone yet and how did you know that this was the problem I was having and that's where you do want to get really intimate with that reader and if you can get to that point then you're going to speak to them in a way that's so much easier. And it, it, then it's not selling. It's like, I have got to have this. I mean, yeah. it, and I'll tell you, that's the, when I read your copy on that Facebook <laughs> post, I'm like, there was no thinking. I was like, where's the buy? But <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'll, now, give you, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a really quick example. I wish I had, I think the book is up there somewhere, but uh, Russell Brunson a couple years ago now, I think, wrote a book called uh, 30 Days, right? And the premise of the book was that he was going to ask 30 entrepreneurs what they would do if they had lost everything and had only 30 days to build their businesses back up, right? So everyone wrote a chapter. It's a really cool book. My partner, James, was one of the people that he asked to write this book or this a chapter. Awesome. And he... And he procrastinated and procrastinated and procrastinated on it. And finally, we were actually in vacation, uh, on vacation in Venice, Italy. <clears throat> it was this amazing, like we had an Airbnb. It had like a gorgeous terrace on the top, which is super like rare there. Anyway, we're sitting up there at night and he gets a Voxer and it's like, hey, we need your thing tomorrow or it's not going to be in the book. And he's like, well, screw it. I'm on vacation. I'm just not going to do it. And I was like, no, I was like, you've got to do this. I was like, what, what is the resistance? And he's just like, well, I just don't know who I'm writing this to. And to give you a little backstory on him, he grew up in like with very little means. He like worked his way all the way to college, went to college and was like 
literally surviving on like tuna and ramen and all this stuff, but he wanted to better himself. And so he was going to Barnes and Noble every night and reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, pages at a time, earmarking the page and going back the next day, picking up where he left off. Right. And so I was like, you know, we had this big, long conversation, just write the chapter to yourself like to that version of you, the one who couldn't afford, like you were starting from scratch, right? But like, give yourself a, an actual manifestation of that person so that you can speak to them. And so he did, he wrote that chapter, he sat down and, you know, he had this whole experience of it. And he's just like, that was the easiest writing I've ever done because I knew exactly who I was talking to. And so, you know, that's just a, a very simple example of like, you, like if you set out to help a very specific person, you're going to write something in a very specific way with very specific messaging that's going to resonate with them. And the people who've reached out to him after reading that chapter are like, oh my gosh, this was exactly what I needed to hear. And it's it's so gratifying to, to see that come full circle. And I can only imagine, like I don't have a book of my own, but I can only imagine as an author to, to have that same experience where you're like, I've poured myself into this book and now it's out there in the world doing exactly what I what I knew it could with the right person. And the cool thing about what he did is, and this is something I tell my, my clients and customers too, it's going to attract other people, not just that specific person that's like him at that point. It's going to attract all these other people too, because they're going to resonate with some form of it for some reason, you know? Absolutely. And, but that's what I tell people all the time when they're, just trying to get the thoughts out of your head. I said, mm-hmm. Sit down and act like you're talking to a friend who has this, this problem. Mm-hmm. What would you tell that friend that you can help them solve that problem? What, how can you help them solve that problem? Yeah. Well, and, and amazing, it, like you said, that light bulb goes off. Well, and it's like the entrepreneur's trap, right? Because we think that our thing can help everyone. And when it comes to marketing that thing, if you talk to everyone, you're actually talking to no one because right. it's not targeted enough. And I think as the entrepreneur, we think, oh my gosh, but I'm going to miss out on all of this other stuff. And it's like, that's, I think, a real scarcity mentality. Like we need to switch into an abundant mentality where we're like, you know, there's seven and a half billion people on planet Earth. If I focus a niche down into this specific person, I can actually really help them and I can grow the readership of this book. I can grow, I can grow my audience. And once that's well and established, I can find another way, another angle to promote the exact same thing to another segment of the audience. Right. And like you said, you are inevitably going to capture different people because it's still going to resonate with them. But our focus as a marketer needs to be in like one person. Like if you can even name that person, you'll do yourself like a huge service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've had some people say, I, cause I'll say, think of somebody that you know, or you've worked with mm-hmm. that this would work for, this would help them if they would only do this, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's always that one person, if they would just do this, it would help them and it'd be so much better. Yeah. And if you think about that person and write to that person, it is, it just, it just, it'll just flow. Yeah. So much. So what are some key components of sharing a story or their story with an email list? Um, I believe that being, I think one of the things I talk about a lot in the challenge is like talking about your day-to-day 
aha moments and the challenges you're experiencing and just kind of pulling back that curtain and really showing up as who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess it's tight. It kind of takes us back to like mistakes that I see people making with their audience is that they try to be what they think the audience wants them to be. And that is exhausting and a recipe for just disaster because you're eventually going to be tired enough of it that you're just not going to want to do it anymore. Or you're going to slip up and show up as who you actually are, probably not the best version, and it'll just be a mess. Um, And so by kind of pulling back that curtain and saying, you know what, like, I'm really good at these five things. Like I can help you when it comes to business. I can help you when it comes to marketing. I can help you when it comes to mindset. I can help you when it comes to writing. And I can help you with email campaigns. Everything else is a hot mess, right? Like, I don't even know how it's running right now. But these five things, like, I got it. (laughs) I'm good at these. But like showing that, right? And saying like, I still get tripped up with things. I still... Uh, I still look for help. Like I still have mentors and coaches and masterminds that I'm a part of. Um, I'm not done learning. Like I am still on my path. Right. And I think that a lot of times when we're doing, when we're sharing pieces of ourselves, we do tend to share the highlight reel because we're like, if we don't have it all together and we're not perfect and we're not like at the summit of the mountain that everybody else wants to climb, then we're not good enough. And it's like, no, not really that's actually creating this illusion of perfection in the mind of your readers that creates a gap that is insurmountable for them. Right. Right. Because they're like, well, if Yada has her shit together completely and nothing's ever off the rails and it's just perfect all the time, I don't feel like that's attainable for me. So I'm just going to go because I don't feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. So instead I'm like, let's bring ourselves down off the mountain and say, Hey, like I said earlier, I'm really good at these five things. Everything else is a mess, but like, let me help you with this. I'm also going to show you how I'm working my way through the other things, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's really where I think that, um, that alliance happens where they're like, Hey, you're just like me. And, and if you're just like me, that means that the goals and the achievements that you have for yourself or that you've been able to achieve are, are available for me too. If I just follow what you're doing, which you happen to sell right? Or use the products that you're using, which you happen to provide. And so, so it becomes this natural next step where, like you said, people are no longer, you're no longer selling to people. People are buying from you because they're just like, Hey, Joyce, um, I saw that you created that book in like 30 days. Like, how did you do that? Can you help me do that? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. I have a program. You know, I don't know if it takes 30 days or not, but, (laughs) um, so, well, so it depends on the person. (laughs) Right. Right. So, so I think that that's one of the things, one of the, the, the aspects of telling stories that sell. Um, I think another thing is really to um, kind of take a step back when you're thinking about sharing those pieces and parts of your life and asking yourself, is this something that I am, that I feel complete about, right? And it doesn't matter if it happened yesterday, a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. It's about saying, did I, do I know how I created this for myself? Do I know what lesson I took away from this? And have I decided how I'm going to apply that in my life moving forward? If you can answer those three questions, to me, it really signifies that you're on the other side of whatever event happened, right? Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, whatever. Um, I find that a lot of people will prematurely share things 
that they're not on the other side of. They don't know how they feel about it. They're not sure what lesson, if any, they took away from it. And then what happens is that your audience naturally wants to fill that gap, right? They're just like, are you okay? You should do this. You should have done that. Like there's all this feedback that comes back. And if you're not sure about where you stand on it, it could really knock you off your feet, you know, or throw you into like a downward spiral where you're just like, I was not ready for that yet. And so, so, so that's kind of my, my rule book is that I'm like, if you're not on the other side of something, don't talk about it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't owe it to anybody. Um, there, there are boundaries that get to be set as between you as the entrepreneur and your audience or you as the author and your audience. Exactly. And I think there's things, if you give them time to marinate and work through them, Mm -hmm. the book that you're trying to write is going to come out so much better Mm -hmm. because it's going to have a much more powerful impact on people because you have come through it. Mm -hmm. And, And I have seen that too, where people are actually still working through that. I mean, I actually, one of my clients, um, she wrote a book after her divorce and we started working on it not too long after she had separated and wasn't mm-hmm. officially divorced yet. But it took us, I think, a little over a year to finish it. And by the time we finished it, she was in a much different place than she was when she started writing it. That she actually rewrote the first couple chapters yeah, because she had more insight there. And it's one of those things like that. You may need to start writing it just to get the information out but let it marinate to a point where you are in that good place that you can look back and say, this is what I learned. This is what I think could help you. This is something that helped me. This is a strategy, whatever, you know? So I love that. So um, refresh us on your key components. Again, was the um, sharing once you've gone through something. Yeah, sure. Once you've gone through something and then also pulling back the curtain and like really allowing yourself to be seen for everything you are and everything you're not. It's okay. Like it's okay. You're, you're never going to please everyone. You know, it's just about showing up and allowing yourself to be seen for everything you are and everything you're not. And, um, like your, your message isn't always, isn't ever going to resonate with everybody, but it's about finding the person that your message does resonate with and serving them uh, to your highest ability. Exactly. And that's, I love what you said that you're not going to please everybody and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't want to try to please everybody because then you would have a watered down version of what you're trying to offer people. Um, Well, and you, you, you've, you've got to be polarizing, you know, like you're going to attract with the exact same power that you repel people. Mm -hmm. Right. And you don't even like, I used to get stuck on like, well, I have to be polarizing. Like, how do I make my message polarizing? And I've, I've grown into the fact that just showing up as who you really are is polarizing in and of itself. Right. Like some people are going to be like, I don't like that. She wears dangly earrings. And some people are going to be like, I love that she wears dangly earrings. Like some people are going to say, well, I don't like that. She cusses sometimes. And some people are going to be like, I love that. Do you know what I mean? It's just who are you and not being afraid to just freaking be that, you know, and, yeah. and let the cards fall where they may. Because like I said earlier, there's 7 billion people on this planet. Like there's a good handful of them that are your right, exact right people. And there's a whole lot of them that aren't. And that's okay. Right, right. And for a recovering people pleaser like me, <laughs> I understand that. that I, that's something that I've had to learn that 
it's okay. And I, and where, you know, some people might make a snide remark on Facebook about something I posted or said or did or whatever, whether it be in my group or on my page. And I've learned, you know what? They're just not the right fit for me and it's okay. And this isn't the right fit for them. And it's okay. And when you can get to that acceptance and just keep going, then you're good. You know, it's, it's much easier. It's much more fulfilling to than to sitting around worry about, Oh, I offended that one. And I offended that one. And, you know, and if you're, if you're just being you and you offend somebody, sometimes that's just going to happen. Yeah. I mean, don't be a jerk. Right. But it's like, but if I, if I'm legitimately giving you my opinion or sharing my experience with you or telling you about what I teach and that somehow irritates you or offends you or you don't like it, I'm not about to change my approach or who I am in order to please one person. Like I had somebody email me the other day and they're like, I want a refund on your challenge. It's so it's, it's full of fluff. I feel like you're disrespecting my time as your student, blah, blah, blah. Like she just went on and on and on. Funny enough, funny enough her name was Karen and I was like how amazing um and I just I just emailed her back and I was like listen like you're entitled to your opinion and you know I'll take your opinion and your advice with a grain of salt because out of like 1500 almost 2000 students like I have a 0.06 percent refund rate on my challenge so Clearly, something right. Yeah, clearly, I'm doing something right. And so, like, if I had half of my students emailing me back and being like, "This is a waste of my time. It sucks. It's all fluff," I would be like, "All right, maybe I should really look at something." But like, with that minuscule amount of people refunding, I'm just like, "It's not me, lady. Like, it's you." And I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't mean about it or anything. Right. And it could be she's having a bad day or her husband got mad because she spent the money or, you know, it could be any number of things, but none of them have anything to do with me or my husband. Exactly. And like you said, and that's what people need to look at. If it's one or two people out of hundreds of thousands of people, then don't worry about it. Yeah. You've got 75 people out of a hundred saying, uh, this isn't working. I don't like it. Then you might want to reconsider. Yeah. Uh, but most well, if, if you've tested it, you're going to know. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I really think that it's about, it's about learning how to take feedback and be objective about the feedback that you're getting. But it's taking yourself out of like, I wasn't triggered when I got her email, right? I was just like, all right, what does she have to say? And then I read it and I was like, do, 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 valid or not valid. I was like, not valid as evidenced by the overwhelming data I have to support that, right? Right. Not emotional, not an emotional decision. There were times when I was barely starting out where if I got any feedback at all, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world, <laughs> right? But I've learned and I've grown. And, and, and I think that that's, that's part of the journey that we're on as entrepreneurs yeah. and creators. It's, it's learning when, whom and when to take feedback from, right? It's, exactly. There's a ton of people like opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone has one. They're pretty useless, right? But it's like when I'm paying, like if I'm looking for advice, I'm probably paying a mentor or a teacher or a coach to help me get that advice because I've seen the the results. Like they're living in the results of their actions, right? So I'm like, hey, tell me what you're doing. If somebody on my email list is emailing me back and telling me like I should do this or that, I'm like, "Mm, unsolicited advice, probably not going to listen to it, right? Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, tell us about your writing time when you are working on your emails or even your content that you share. Um, do you have a consistent time that you write or do you write daily or is there something that what things work and what don't work for you? Because this is always fun to hear what other people do. Yeah. And then you learn, you know, and, and this, uh, and what I'm hoping is if there's something that resonates with someone, then they're like, Oh, I'll try that. You know? So, yeah. And like you said, everybody does it differently too. So it's good to hear. So what do you, do? yeah, for sure. So I really, I actually have a lot of writing to do today. And so at about three o'clock today, my time, which is mountain, I'll sit down on, I'll show you on that couch right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sit on my couch, I grab my laptop. I usually have like a nice cup of tea or something. And I just kind of, close everything out and just write. Um, Sometimes if I have like a lot of writing to do, or if I'm attempting to capture a specific mood with, or not capture, elicit a specific type of mood with what I'm writing, I will pop on some headphones and I'll listen to like um, alpha beat, like type music, like lo-fi beat music. But I look for something that's like happy or pensive or sad or, you know, exciting. And so I kind of, um, capture the feeling that I'm going after like that. I I almost like, uh, get myself into a certain state. Um, but I always find that I do my best writing in the afternoons, if not late at night. I know a lot of people are like morning people. I'm just not like, I really just want to kind of scroll social media, drink my coffee in the morning. I'm like, just get away from it. Like I'm not ready yet. Um, it's also typically after any outbound kind of work that I need to do. So I'll do like team meetings, interviews, conversations with my writers, any client facing stuff first. And then once I'm done with that, then I'm like, okay, I can go internal because writing for me is very much like I have to process what it is that I'm going to say. Um, I've been writing more and more sales pages these days for people and, it's not my favorite thing. So I find myself really procrastinating on it, but I'm thinking about it the whole time. You know, it's like, right. okay, I've got to write this. I've got to write this. Like, what are the angles? And and I find that I kind of like chew on it for like longer than I should. And then when I finally sit down, it's like, blah, you know, it's like this like big like release and it just kind of comes out within like an hour or two. Um, so that's kind of like my, my status. I don't really have uh, like a a schedule or like a daily type thing that I do. I just, I've also kind of like my, my role in my company has kind of shifted because we've grown so much that I've had to hire writers, which is a blessing. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to employ, you know, artists and creatives that otherwise might be struggling. And so I've kind of removed myself from a lot of the writing. So there's very little of it that I have to do. So when I do it, I, I very much enjoy it. And I kind of create this cocoon for myself where it's like, oh, I get to write. And I sit down and I kind of do my thing. I find myself editing a lot more these days, which is less fun, but still uh, enjoyable. There's still a craft to it, though. Yeah. Oh, there is. There is. You're making that then more beautiful and working on it. So definitely, because I do a lot of editing too for my clients. And so yeah, I, I get that. And there are some days that I'm like, editing but you know sometimes I think it's like when I find that piece that I really need to like massage I'm like it would have been faster if I had just written this myself you know and so I think that's the frustration but at the same time 
I'm now learning and growing how to better help writers do what I do. You know what I mean? So it, it, I don't know. I feel like it's a growth process for all of us. And you're delegating process. your brain out. <laughs> yeah, which is like, it's hard sometimes. I'm like, man, I could just... But I'm very glad that you're doing it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, what words of advice or encouragement do you have for writers who are struggling to write that content so they can connect with that potential reader? I would say that if if you do nothing else when you're writing to your audience, if you simply remember that that person is in some way, shape, or form experiencing the exact same struggle that you're experiencing right now, things will be a lot easier. You will have, you will show up with a lot more compassion and empathy and the connection will just happen. But I think, I think one of the things that happens is that we are no longer struggling in the same area or arena as the people that we're attempting to help. And what we don't realize is that we have the same struggles now. They're just showing up in a different way, right? Like I, you know, I have a multiple six figure business now and that's amazing, but it's like new levels, new devils, right? Like I still experience some of the issues that I was having when I was trying to get to my first $10,000 a month or when I was trying to break my first six figures, you know, and, but I, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like the problems are still here. They just look slightly different. And that's because we're being asked to become new people. We're being asked to grow. Like I am now being asked to really become a teacher of the thing that I learned, right? So it's, it's the process of going back and saying, okay, how did I learn that? And, and who taught me that? Or what book did I read? Or what experience did I go through? And like, how do I convey this to somebody? But they're still having that same issue, right? They're like, how do I convey my message of the thing that I created to my, to my reader? And so sharing my process of that helps them connect with me and also shows them how I'm overcoming it. And obviously positions my product as like, hey, like this has solved it. I'm working on the next product, but here's this, right? And so I think that's kind of a long answer to maybe a simple question, right? It's like, what would you tell them? And it's like, just remember that the person you're trying to help is somewhere along the path that you've already traveled. It could be two steps behind. It could be 10 steps behind. But being transparent about where you are, what you've gone through, and um, where you're going is super helpful for them. Definitely. Well, I appreciate that. That has been wonderful. Um, And I appreciate you being here. So I will have your links. And if you want to learn more about Yada and what she does, it'll be in the show notes. And I hope you have a great day. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Right Hour. Our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams. You are one step closer to write your book. Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at The Right Coach. Biz. The link is in the show notes. The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process, and you can download the writing planner to track your progress. 
Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book. It's time to write your book. 